Good morning, good morning, RCC family. Good morning. If you guys want to start to make your way to your seats, it's time for church. All right, good morning. And good morning to everyone who's watching online. We are so happy that you're joining us this way. If it's your very first time watching, we'd love to know where you're from and give you a proper greeting. So if you just want to drop your name in the comment section below, we'll greet you that way. So welcome to church. Today is Family Sunday, which is a really beautiful Sunday because we get to have our children with us and we get to just be families and come before God collectively as a community. So today you may see some new faces who are greeters and things like that. Just make sure to love on everyone extra today. Um, for this morning, we're going to start with our lectionary passage. As you know, we work with the lectionary. It works through the Bible in three years. And today's psalm is from Psalm 104, and it says... O oh Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom, you have made them all. And the earth is full of your creations. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sailing along in the Leviathan that you made to play in the sea. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them and they are richly satisfied. But if you turn away from them, they panic. When you take away their breath, they die and turn again to dust. When you give them your breath, life is created and you renew the face of the earth. And may the glory of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. The earth trembles at his glance and the mountains smoke at his touch. And I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. And let all that I am praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Father God, we just sit in the words of the psalmist this morning. One, that you are a good God, that everything revolves around you and your glory. God, we lean into you being a God as a provider, that you open your hand and that we are richly satisfied. And so God, we come to you this morning with our hopes and our needs and our anxieties and our joys even. And we know that you have such good for us in return. God, thank you for being a God that is here and present this morning. Thank you for being a God that meets us not only in the church, but also in our homes, in the car, in the many places that we choose to interact with you. God, may your name be lifted high. Begin to posture our hearts towards worship this morning. Bring to mind all of the many ways that you have been good and present this week. And may our worship come from a place of deep gratitude. Because you are worthy of praise, God. We love you. We worship you this morning. And in your holy name we pray. Amen.
worship your holy name and as we transition into prayers of the people and we submit our prayers before you we submit and we choose to worship your name because you are who you say you are and every prayer that feels unanswered and in the waiting and in the grieving and in the loss you are who you say you are and so we worship your name We pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. We pray for the 15 Christians that were killed in attack during a baptism celebration in Ethiopia. I first want to say, God, we thank you for the celebration of the lives that were saved in the baptism that happened. I thank you that there are saints that are now with you in heaven that would not have been with you. I thank you. But we lift up the families in the church body that has lost 15 of its members and is grieving and feels heavy, where fear is all too familiar to them. God, would you have mercy on them? Would you protect them? Would you love them as they grieve and as they mourn? God, I pray specifically over the church worldwide, the global church right now and all the dissension and all the disunity and every opinion that's rising in every possible way political, social, emotional, mental, you name it. Everybody's got an opinion. God, I pray that you would just create a movement across the church body that would move towards loving you so well and loving each other so well that we would look different than the world. That it would we would set our egos aside, that we would set our opinions aside, the ones that don't actually matter, and that we would cling to the truth of the cross and that we would love each other well and that the world would be attracted to us because of who you are. God, would there be a conviction within the global church to be unified under your name? We would put the things that are most important that if you have said are most important at the top and beyond that, may they fall to the wayside. Lord, would you hear our prayer? You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the volcano that's currently erupting in, in the Congo that is displacing thousands, burning homes, ruining homes and lives. God, would you come and would you put a con somehow control, miraculously control the impact of that volcano? And would you allow there to be homes where there would be no homes for these people to go to? Would you allow the church to rise up in the Congo that they would become a safe place for the people that are displaced? Would you provide avenues for the government to know how to provide proper care and aid for those who are deeply impacted by this volcano? 
we pray for the health crisis that is still happening in India, not just with COVID, but a fungus and so many ramifications from food and water to health. God, would you supply the right aid that they need, that their government leaders would say yes to the aid and the help that they need that would be helpful to their body. God, would we look beyond just our own path and our own way in America? Would we turn outward and make sure that we are serving the global community well, that we are giving of ourselves well? We may we use the blessing that we have been given as a country and may we give it generously. We pray lastly for the 21 runners in China that died, froze to death unexpectedly. And the tens and tens that have been un, um, that have not been found, the hundreds that have been injured by this unexpected weather front. God, would you help those that have not been found to be recovered? Give peace to the families that in their grief and in their mourning that they would feel your presence even if they do not know you. May they come to know you. May they come to know you in their grief and in their loss. Lord, hear our prayer. in Atlanta on Friday night, leaving four injured and one dead. We pray in general for the increased violence that is currently happening right now in Atlanta and in the surrounding areas. God, I pray that there would be reform where there needs to be reform, that there would be access to mental health and health care where that is needed. God, I pray that as we cry out to see justice happen on earth, may we never forget that there will be a day that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Be with those in the hospital that are recovering. Provide them the support for the trauma that they've experienced as well as the physical bodies that have been injured the families that have been impacted, the people that were there that witnessed it. May the body of Christ in each of those surrounding areas be a refuge and a safe place. Lord, hear our prayer. suffer in it. We pray for the Weitzels, specifically Debbie Weitzel, her husband, and those, her children, and all those that are impacted 
by her cancer treatment. God, I pray that you would just give doctors supernatural wisdom on the next best steps for her. I pray that you would comfort the Weitzel family as they take on wave after wave and hit after weight of news that comes along with the cancer journey. God, would you bring supernatural healing to her body? Supernatural healing. God, you are still healing all across the land. And so we just ask, we ask before you that you would heal her body. May it be through Western medicine or may it be by your Holy Spirit in her body, would you bring healing? Comfort the Weitzel family. Give them discernment that comes only for you from you about what is next. We pray for Joan as she's in a hospital room right now, recovering from a fall and a broken hip. God, we pray that Joan would know that she is loved immensely by this community. As she's alone and cannot have visitors right now, God, I pray that she would know even now in her hospital room that your presence would fill it, then she would know that she is loved and prayed for and cared for by the River City community. Strengthen her body to heal quickly, more quickly than what the doctors are even saying. May she know that when she comes home that we are going to love her well, that you love her, that you care for her. We pray for one camp as it's coming up. We pray for every student, counselor, pastor, teacher, parent that is preparing for one camp. God, I pray that we would know that you have gone before them into that camp this week, this year, that your presence is dwelling among the camp in every cabin and every building. You are excited. May their hearts be expected for what you want to do. And I pray that their communities and their schools and their families would be changed because of how they experience you that week. And we submit all of our unspoken prayer requests before you. God, would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, hear our prayer. As I was preparing today, I was praying for people, and I had the sense that 
Um, each time I prayed for someone, I do this thing where I walk around and pray for anybody here serving early, and I kept getting this like sense that God was trying to take what's happening in the head and move it to the heart, which really is kind of the goal of the gospel message to land in this space. And so today, my prayer is that this that I'm about to read you, even this whole equipping the saints content would go from just thoughts to what is happening in your heart. Because if it lands here and is realized here, you can begin to live out of it. But if not, you really can't live out of just thoughts. You can't just live out of that. It has to be received in that inner space. And so my prayer is that. I also forgot that today was Pentecost Sunday. And I absolutely love Pentecost Sunday for so many reasons. One of my favorite things about Pentecost Sunday And this was actually through a conversation with Dr. Johns, which has been here recently. You've all heard from her. But the theology of glossolalia, or the theology of speaking in tongues, which is a hot topic for many people and a struggle for some. And some people are, they just kind of land all over the place on that. But she said something to me once that really kind of quickened me and helped me to see something I needed to see. And that was when this language was dropped to God's people on this day that many years ago. And they began to speak in different tongues, and even speak in other languages so that people heard the message of the gospel in their own language. That's unbelievable, right? But this theology of glossolalia that allows people from all different spaces on a class system spectrum to then begin to speak the same language. What it really did was not show who was more powerful or more gifted. What it did was it leveled the playing field to where those who had high intellect and those who had low intellect were speaking the same language. To me, this is the beauty of glossolalia, or speaking in tongues or Pentecost, is that it's not a signifier of who is the one we should pay attention to or who has the power. It's a signifier of God's great leveling field, bringing things to an even place. We use language at times to dominate people. We even use intelligence to dominate people. But God is always bringing the low up, right? Always bringing the low up. So let's not take Pentecost for what it's not and make it about something that we just collect more for ourselves. It's about the gospel of Jesus going to all and saying to everyone, you all have a space here. This is what the message is. And so as we have gotten through Ephesians, this is our last day in Ephesians. Everybody say Ephesians. It's the book of Ephesians. It's a good one. We've spent so much time on it, and, and we've taken this book because it embodied in chapter 4 the phrasing, equipping the saints. And so for us, last year, we knew that God was asking us to begin to pave a way for people to not just become leaders, to not just do what you do, to not just do your thing, but to begin to grow in discipleship and formation. And I can clearly say that over the past year, I've seen more movement in this than I've ever seen in ministry up to this point. And I think it was because it started with prayer. I think it's what God's heart was. I think he provided for me, at least, a collection of people at the beginning of the year that were reaching out and asking for things, wanting to be discipled. I myself was wanting to grow and be discipled. And so I I can clearly see how God's already doing this. I can point to people in this room that have come to life in trying new things with Jesus, not just knowing what you believe, right? Like, I really want to step away from just knowing what you believe and embodying what you believe, right? Step away from just, all right, I got that. You know, I understand the armor of God is this. 
to how do, I, how do I wake up and live the message to where it's not just don't do these things, don't do those things, make sure I'm good, but where you really embody a message that makes people go, that's a peculiar person. What is it about them? That's a peculiar group of people. What is it about them? And not just be things we're against, right? But to live into those things that God has put us here to do, right? To bring the gospel of peace. This is a gift to all of us. And I've seen this. And the trajectory of this, even though we're stepping out of Ephesians, we're going to be inviting, inviting, inviting into deeper ways for you to be formed spiritually. And not just to check boxes about what you know, but to begin to practice in community the things that Jesus intended that you did. I've seen the first fruits of this. I know this is what our church is leaning into and stepping into in the future. To where somebody can be here or show up or have been here and say, I really, I want to actually grow as a disciple of Jesus or an apprentice of Jesus and begin to walk in his way and to grow in that. And we're going to be able to do that because Jesus is showing us how to do it. And we're not going to be perfect at it, but we're going to continue to lean into that. And so today, I'm going to wrap up Ephesians. Paul here has been trying to equip this body for what they're doing in the city that they're living with the message of the gospel. He's really been trying to strengthen and prepare them. Not just one-offs, right? Not just make sure you've got your Christianity down. Make sure you're getting what you need. Make sure you're connected to Jesus. That's not his goal. That is good, but his goal is this body being a live, visible presence in the place that they live. This unique residency of aliens to be alive and thriving in the heart of Ephesus, a metropolis, just a massive, flourishing city to be alive, right? This is the goal. And so this might be difficult for us today to read a book like, to read the whole book. We've read the whole book together. Whether you know it or not, those that have been paying attention for the past two months, you've read the whole book of Ephesians. Give yourself a hand. You have accomplished a book of the Bible. Amen? So what do we do with that, though? We don't live in Rome. We're not, you know, a third of our population is not living slaves right now. How do we apply this? And I'll just say this. It's no mistake that we're here. We're not going to be first century church. Even though we want to glamorize the first century church, we're not going to be that church. And we're not meant to be that church. We're meant to be the church of 2021 and beyond. And so Christ is at work. Christ is at work doing things in you because the things he's doing in you matter to the things that's happening over here in them. Christ is at work doing things in your family because that plays into the larger picture. It's not just about you. It's not just about your future. It's not just about your job security or finances. Everything, everything, everything that he is doing in you matters to those around you. And it's not just that you do what he wants you to do. If I have to repent openly for my history as a pastor, it would be that I think getting people to do what God called them to do was the first thing that needed to happen. I realize now that people don't even know how to be. People don't know how to be in Western culture. That's why busyness, hurry, achievement, accomplishment, all these things take priority. We have to topple those gods. We have to sit and be present with Jesus and let him give us the gifts that he has for us. And I think that's what the armor's about. So I'm going to read you this. 
This is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. And having done all, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times, like we all do, amen? In the Spirit, like we all do, amen, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, this is Paul, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Just real quick, too. The mystery of the gospel is what's been stated clearly in the book of Ephesians, that this crew of Gentiles is now a part of this message of the gospel. This leveling of enemies prior are now seen as a new humanity. This is the mystery of the gospel. Christ is bringing into that. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. He's always sending people to share for him, building these relationships that can take as if they're speaking for him. Just the kind of depth, I'm not even going to go into that. Anyway, that's important. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and the sisters. Can I get an amen? Amen. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with all, with love incorruptible. I love that last word, incorruptible. Love incorruptible. That could be like a whole sermon series. Let's do a whole sermon series. Love incorruptible. Oh, amen. Jesus. You are so very present. You are, according to your scriptures, even more present now than you were there as you lived in human flesh and as you gave this message to the first disciples to then give to the other disciples in these churches that begin to crop up. So we thank you that you're actually here now, just as intent on us being encouraged and gifted with this message of love and corruptible to live out and embody this here. So for those of us like myself who are inundated with sports and the Braves and the Hawks and the kids stuff and Instagrams and Facebooks and MySpaces for my parents, for those of us who are thwarted by this desire to just achieve a little more because if we just get that next promotion, oh, it would just be so different. 
for those of us who are driven for more and more and more. Help us to see the reality that you walked through cities, not speeding hurriedly through, not busied, but you were present in each day, each day bustled with robust opportunities for the message and the mystery of the gospel to come forth. Each conversation, each annoyance seen as an opportunity, each new place you walk to, present, 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 available, always doing what your father wanted you to do, teaching, recruiting these guys to take them on a three-year journey to learn how to be, not asking them to do. Help us to receive this armor and what it stands for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first, I just want to speak on the fondness of this passage. Raise your hand if you've heard this passage before. If you were raised in church, you have definitely heard this. Some of you have like a thing you can do. Like, is there like a kid song about this or something? No? Is there like a, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff built around this. It's nostalgic almost. But if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense for us. Like this context for them is not our context. Right? And even for them, it was a little bit of a curveball. It was one of those things that was spoken to them to get them to start thinking, wait a second. So you've called us to the gospel of peace. You've called us to not bear up arms against our neighbor or our enemy. And now you're telling us to put on the armor with a sword. So even for them, it was meant to make them do that like Jesus pause. Wait, what did he just say? Why is he saying this? But for us, we don't even have this type of imagery alive in our culture. So when we think of armor, here's, here's my fear about this passage. Here's what I know has happened with this passage. It's almost like a Christian trinket in our theology. It's like, yeah, I'm going to put on all this stuff. I'm going to put on this helmet and this shield, and I'm going to have my sword. It's almost like cartoonish to where you don't really have to interact with it. For them, it was different. For them, they woke up, they saw Roman soldiers. For them, they understood that a Roman soldier always had their armor on. Like there was no time when they were just like kicking around a soccer ball and didn't have their armor on. Like that was not a thing. They always had their armor on. It, it wasn't even that they were being violent or using force. They just always had it on. When they woke up, they put it on. They also knew that to get that armor, a lot had to happen. Like there's a lot that went into somebody getting that armor. It wasn't just like, hey, give me the armor. I'll put it on today. That's not what we have. This is lost on us in a lot of ways. And actually it's I don't think it's known that it's lost on us, and it, be, it makes it almost impotent to where this is a carrier. This is a vehicle, like a lot of the imagery Paul uses, body imagery, right? Temple imagery, right? These are vehicles to carry a larger truth. Everybody say vehicle. vehicle. That's all this imagery is, and it's good. It's a metaphor, but it's carrying something so much larger. So I wonder if Paul lived today. You know, maybe with all of Bill's wisdom, as he said, being the best leader at our church, best group leader at our church. I love that you said that because it's so unlike you to say that because <laughs> he's actually really humble. That's what's funny about it. I'm just going to keep talking now. So I wonder if he were to speak into a metaphor that would make sense to us, what he would choose. I don't know that it would be armor, and I get it. Armor protects you. Your sword gives you a weapon. Interestingly, we'll talk about that in a minute. Even that is not used vengefully or forcefully. So I wonder what he would use for us. I, I don't 
I don't think we have a connection to anything like that kind of consistency with armor. The only commonality, I think, in our culture that we have that much connection to is maybe an iPhone. Maybe he would use iPhone imagery. When you wake up, turn on the power button of salvation and scroll through the pages of... You know, there's nothing we're that familiar with like a phone. Like, that's how connected to this armor that would have been for them. It would have made complete sense, but it would have also made sense because they had a robust understanding of what was implied by the armor. So their common language about salvation, about faith, about truth would have been so practiced in that early stage that it would have made so much sense, the connectability. Oh, we already get these things. So he's using this imagery about the armor to let us know that it's like all the time. And for us, we don't know as much about those things as they did. We don't understand as much about the truth of the gospel. We don't understand even thoroughly that the gospel message is a message of peace, right? We don't understand that we're called to be peacemakers. This is why throughout history, people have actually used this text to justify war or violence, Literal Christians. I mean, Christianity was illegal in this culture until 313. Within two years after that, Christians were persecuting Christians built around this passage. People are confused by this. So for them, he's saying, put on this. But this battle, right? Like, this battle is not against flesh and blood. So please don't choose your enemy to label and go after. If you've chosen an enemy, right? The Democrats, that evil bunch, right? If you've chosen the Republicans, that evil bunch to go after, you've missed the message of the gospel. You've, you've not only missed it, you're actually harming it at that point. When you choose and label the enemy as flesh and blood, and, and believe me, it's, sometimes it is flesh and blood, as we prayed in prayers of the people, but the powers and principalities are larger things. They're larger things that have been alive then, been alive till now, and they will continue which is why he labels that this is a warfare in the spirit. And I hope this, I hope this part of this troubles you. I hope it troubles you not because I need you to make everything demonic or non-demonic. Like I, I've been in conversations where everything that I've talked to when somebody's like, well, that, that was demonic, that was demonic. I'm like, really? I think that just was that. And I think, I think there's a way that we can take a passage like this and make everything that. But then there's also a way to take a passage like this and completely forget about it, which is what we have done, right? I want to read you a quote from one of my close friends, N.T. Wright. I know him a bit better than he knows me, but I'm certain we're close. We're like best friends. For some, for some reason, and this is so true, for some reason, almost whenever I write about passages like this one, dealing with spiritual warfare, I run into problems. One time, a workman outside of the house drove a nail through my main electricity cable, and I lost a half hour of riding on the word processor. Sometimes domestic crises arise and distract me. Today, the computer jammed completely when I was about to begin riding. I've come to accept this normal and to be grateful that this is all that has happened so far. I don't claim that this is... This of itself makes my work anything special, but I've noticed over the years that the topic of spiritual warfare is itself the subject of spiritual warfare. I can only say I agree. 
a thousand times to this. The day I started preparing for this message, this week, the day, and I'm no more special than anybody in this room. The day I started preparing, one of the females on my softball team and her entire family tested positive for COVID. We had to cancel our season. The same person that was on our team was in my son's class. He had to cancel the rest of school. We've been tested like four times this week. Negative. Amen. Can I get an amen? And like seven other things like that. Now, I'm no more special than anybody, but I I totally understand. This is a topic that it would be better if we just didn't understand. If we just kind of stayed in our fog, it would be better. I'm going to continue. I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to continue. Reading quotes, because this is about quoting people, evidently. I don't claim that this of itself makes my work anything special, but I have noticed over the years that the topic of spiritual warfare is the subject of spiritual warfare. It is as though certain hidden forces would much rather we didn't talk about it, or, as, or that we swept it under the carpet. As C.S. Lewis says in his introduction to the famous Screwtape Letters, the general public prefers either to ignore the forces of evil altogether, to pretend that they don't exist, or to use cartoon, cartoon images of the devil with horns and hooves as an argument to the, that effect. You can't believe in those nonsense things, so you can't believe the devil is real at all, can you? Or to take an unhealthy interest in everything demonic, which can be just as bad in the long run. What we have in this present passage and what I believe is required again and again as Christians face daily and yearly battle for the kingdom is a sober, realistic assessment both of the struggle we are engaged in and the weapons at our disposal. It is, of course, a surprise to many people that there is a struggle at all, yes, They think we find it difficult from time to time to practice our Christianity. We find it hard to forgive people. We find it hard to pray regularly. We find it hard to resist temptation. We find it hard to learn more about faith. But as far as we're concerned, that's the end of it. They have never thought that their small struggle might be a part of a larger campaign. They're like soldiers fighting in a fog, never seeing and actually not knowing about. The others not so far away in the same line of battle, let alone the other theaters where the war is continuing. This, to me, is a great depiction of what spiritual warfare is and why we need the armor of God in this process or these things. So think about this. In this passage, it says four times to stand firm. To stand firm. Everybody say stand firm. So we had this thing I used to do with my son every night about this. Stand firm four times and be prepared To stand firm four times. So stubbornness and standing firm. Is there a difference between being stubborn and standing firm? Is there a difference between being immovable about a thing that I think is most important? See, the difference in standing firm and stubbornness is that someone who can stand firm is open to having a conversation and open to possibly having their mind changed, and someone being stubborn is immovable and usually built around fear instead of faith. So this is asking us to stand firm on every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, and it ties it back to the first chapter, right? So, so it's not necessarily that we just need to make sure we don't do the wrong thing. Paul is asking them to remember their Christian identity and the core of their faith. So it's almost like if you, if you don't believe that spiritual warfare is actually a real thing, 
then you really don't need the armor of God or these things that I'm about to read to you. And if you really don't need that, then you really don't need to interact with your Christianity at all. You can just kind of come and go. You can check off a box. I'm a Christian. What does that mean to you? I, I believe it. What does it mean to you? How do you embody it? I don't do these, I don't do these things. It's so interesting to me when you ask people about their Christianity. The conversation moves so quickly to things that they won't do. What does it mean to embody the gospel in our world today? So this is possibly lost on us, and we keep it at a distance, but it invites us to look deeper, to not just agree with. I've shared with you recently about how in a strong group culture historically, culture, that means that the community is most important. And in a weak group culture, that means that the individual is most important. And we live in a weak group culture. Western culture is a weak group culture where you feel and I feel that the most important thing is my needs in a certain group. And we build our life and our decisions off that. That was not the culture here. The culture here was a strong group culture where you always thought of the entire community first. It wouldn't have been an opportunity to live this out without brother and sister. It wouldn't have been an opportunity to live the message of the gospel out on your own. This past week, when this happened for us, and I knew that I had to cancel a softball season. We had just won a championship last week on our way to regionals. Girls were so pumped. Not only that, but the biggest thing was my daughter, Nava, who's here in the back, had a party planned on Friday night. All her softball team was coming. So many people were coming. So excited all week long. Oh my gosh, we're not allowed to have the party anymore. Last year she didn't have a party because we were in a pandemic. So she's, she's doing not amazing with it, is what I would say. Not amazing. And I shared this with our staff this week. And I sat around our staff table and I was like, I'm kind of discouraged because this just happened, this just happened, I gotta get tested. And our staff, I don't even remember who it was, started saying things like, what if we, what if we like gathered around and started coming to your house? What if you brought Nava outside and all the staff came over and started dropping off stuff and doing stuff? And the staff able, were, was able to step into the kind of community that happens when you lean into what's needed in community. And they showed up, and it was honestly maybe better than it would have been, like the joy that was on Nava's face. This is the kind of thing that surfaces as a response for this kind of struggle. This kind of warfare invites the community to become the community. It's never just about you not going forward in your walk. So if this is, I guess, my invitation, a secondary invitation to you. If you find yourself in what appears to be like a spiritual battle, like a struggle, like something you can't figure out how to get through, look around you. Really, I'm not just saying this is a one-off. Look around you. Who is near you in that scenario that God's trying to foster something? Because that's the work of God, his community. His community was created to bring the mystery to cities. His community was created. This community had people that were previously literally fighting and killing one another in it. This community had slaves and slave owners in it, now all being told you are all equal. Think of the options for them to fight with one another, right? This community was meant to embody this message and live it in a city. That's us. So if you find yourself in a spot where it feels like, I just feel stuck, I just feel stuck, look around you. 
God is providing. Even if it's in this room, he's providing. But real quick on this weaponry, all of this stuff is defensive. So if you want to know if he's asking us to bear arms against one another, all of these things are defensive except for the sword. And basically all it does is equip you to not be affected while you go forth. So it's not, it's not armor to keep you from getting hurt. It's armor to assist you as you take the message of peace to the people around you. So it's not just about, I'm going to be protected over here. I'm going to store up in my house. I'm going to post up in my house. I'm going to watch Christian TV, watch some TBN. I'm going to listen to the fish. Not that that's bad. Not either one of those are bad. But the goal is not to post up away from the world. The goal is to put on the shoes fitted with peace and to then embody this message and take it. And these are the things that have to happen. So I'm going to read you these really quickly. So that I can get this imagery out of your mind, even though it's good. This is what the imagery embodies. Truth. The message is true or it's useless. You just need to hear that. If this message we're in this room for is not true, it is literally useless. If it is true, it has massive implications for the rest of your life. So let me just ask you, are we living as if it's true? Because if we're living as if it's true, we begin to look like this in our world. It holds it all together like so. First thing, you, got, you hold it all together like a belt. This is your belt, truth. Second thing, justice and righteousness. This is the idea that there is one true God who intends to look into the world and bring justice. There's one true judge. It's God to bring justice and to make all things right and to bring shalom to the earth. As you wake up, right? As you wake up, you put that on as a breastplate. So truth, justice and righteousness this is the God I'm with. He's the real God. You can go to the next one. Peace. You've been fitted. I love the language. Fitted with shoes like peace. And God is with So this is what it is. It's peace two times. It's peace between humanity and God, and it's peace between neighbor and neighbor. This is what you're fitted with, shoes of peace. So don't let yourself be knocked off your feet by this kind of thing. Shoes fitted with peace keeps you standing so that when you are attacked, shoes fitted with peace. This is also how you enter communities, right? This is that whole kind of uh, the idea of uh, St. Patrick entering cities and then faith. Believe in Jesus, practice the way, like a shield from the enemy's darts that they can't penetrate. So this shield of faith is the idea that your belief system is saying that this is true and that you're practicing out of that. This is the idea that you're actually beginning to embody and live what the gospel is asking you to live. You can go to the last one. I think there's one more. Is that it? Salvation. Salvation is the last defensive one. Know you are Know who you are in creation. Know that you know you are a new creation and belong to the family of God. You're saved into this. Your baptism was an invitation into this. You are now a part of a family. You're a beloved son. You're a beloved daughter. When you're putting these things on, you're, you're telling yourself, I, I, I am this. This is my community. This is what I am. And then the last one is spirit and word. And it's the only offensive weapon. But even with this, right? Like I've talked about this before. This is not a weapon to use against people. The enemy's not flesh and blood. This is a weapon because it penetrates even to the, to the heart of people and brings peace to people. So this is the idea that our offensive weapon is given to us through shoes of peace to take to people so that they can have peace and freedom. Not that we can tell them how evil they are and how terrible they are. The message of the gospel is inviting people into this 
new mystery with Jesus. And this should be a beautiful thing. And the armor is linked to really evangelism, but it's impossible without prayer. So back to Pentecost Sunday, Paul talks about three types of prayer here. Prayer that's ineligible, or un... I'm so all over the place today, I'm sorry guys. Prayer that's intelligible, is that right? That's what I was, yep, like my words right now. Second is prayer in tongues, and third is prayer in the mind. Paul is saying that all of these things are, ne- are necessary to be able to carry the gospel of peace anywhere. So, right, so pray without ceasing. I think we made fun of that almost as, as if we know we're not, but keeping alert to be a praying person means that you're present. You don't just pray like mindlessly. Prayer actually centers you and gets you present with God. And Paul is saying, pray for me. Pray in these ways that I may be given words that make sense to the people around me. So the message of the gospel would go forth, not just so that we can have a neat community, right? And this is the part for our church, for the American church, that I think is the most troubling, is we don't really know how to evangelize, right? Because people have been evangelized poorly, and now we're in a post-Christian culture that's looking for a truer version of Christianity, and many of us are disenfranchised with our own version of it, and so we're being equipped to take this gospel, and we're having to almost deconstruct some of the ways that we've done it so that we can learn again how to do this. Because just giving somebody a tract is probably not going to do it, right? Not that it's terrible. And just telling somebody, do you believe in Jesus? Do you want to go to heaven? It's probably not going to be enough, right? He's asking for a body to embody what he's saying here, to live this way. Your words do not matter. Do not matter. Do not matter if you're not embodying this. Right? I don't care if you wake up every day and sing the song about putting on the armor. If you don't truly believe that Jesus is your provision, if you don't truly believe that your identity is found in him, if you don't truly believe that the community of God is important for you, it will be impossible to take this. I'll actually pause there for a minute. If you believe you can do this without the community of God, you cannot do it. It was never intended for that. The body of Christ, right? This is our challenge, but it's also such a gift, right? How many creative people are floating around in this room right now? How many people who are sitting on the sidelines wondering, am I okay with God? Am I good? Am I a part of this community? Will someone notice me that Jesus is just stirring the spirit over the waters, asking you to step in Asking you to take seriously what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, not out of fear, not because you failed, but because he would enjoy to see you live in the way that this world needs to see the church. That's the heart of what we're trying to do here. So when I talk about that I've been walking with 11 other guys, and it's not all been perfect through Sabbath and silence and solitude and stepping into simplicity and next season scripture, all of these things that seem just like words I'm throwing at you, they're just Christian words, I can tell you that it's transforming the way I live my life, that I'm taking the time to pause and be like, all right, I'm not going to rush ahead. I'm going to do all this on my own. With my community, I'm going to do it before I make somebody else do it. If we're not doing this, how do we live the gospel? Or, what, or maybe the question really is, like, what is it that you're desiring from the gospel? I mean, is it, is it more so to just be a part of something? I think there's some real questions there. Because if we all embodied this, 
we would be the best peacemakers. Like the best peacemakers. If we, if we embodied what he's asking here. To be humble. I mean, salvation is about humility. You don't, you don't receive salvation unless you're on your knees saying, I need you. Like just that portion of our Christianity. Is that even present? This is what he's asking us to do. So I'm just going to close with these things. I pray that you would recognize there's an attack, but that you don't have to feel hopeless in that. I pray that you would come alive to know that there is a force, there is spirituality, there is an evil that is present and operating just fine today on the planet. Through power, through racism, through individualism, through greed, through self, through consumption. All of those things are so alive and so well. But you've been given the armor of God that allows you to live in such a way that you become someone who brings peace when there is no peace. But you have to learn how to put it on. And most of us don't know how to put it on. Most of us didn't even know what those things were connected to. This is our our invitation. And God is always inviting us. He's never wanting us to carry shame out of here or even in our lives. He's always inviting us and saying, I've prepared a way for this and I've prepared a way for you. I just can't wait to see most of you come alive in this. I can't wait to see what our body can become when all of us are walking together. I can't wait for like what happened for Nava to happen to some of y'all when you say, actually, this is happening, and then to see what the body does. I can't wait for the Spirit of God to stir your heart so much that you're enlivened, right? That your hearts are warmed even within you. So Jesus, is there a metaphor today that you'd like to give us to help us see how you're asking us to live? And Jesus, we just say thank you for the work of Paul in the book of Ephesians. And how this is something our whole body got to ingest for the last two months. I sense an invitation from the Father to let what's happening up here Even if you've heard things like he's inviting you or spiritual formation or discipleship or slowing, I just pray that this would would transfer to this. So just place your hand over your own heart. And on this day of Pentecost, where throughout history God has spoken in so many different ways to his children. He's he's taken even people who didn't speak a language and helped them to speak another language so people could hear it. He's always speaking. Even when he's not, he's speaking. I pray that your hearts would be warmed and that you would feel the invitation of the Spirit of God 
he would make that known to you today. So submit your heart, even right now, to say, Jesus, this is yours. And as we step into that space, God, anything that says that you're a bad God or you're an angry or you're upset, I pray that you would cleanse those thoughts and help us to sense your kindness that leads us to repentance. And I even pray that you would reform what the word repentance feels like when we hear it. I pray for freedom and wholeness. I pray for identity that's rooted in you. I pray for a submission of other gods or idols, individualism, consumerism. And I ask Jesus that you would form fit for us truth, righteousness, salvation, peace. Sword in a word. liturgy and I'm going to pray specifically for those who feel that you're in intense battle right now and we're going to create some space up front for those that need prayer that feel themselves to being in an intense battle right now but if you'll, if you'll follow along with me we will eat and drink of this after we have proclaimed the mystery of the faith together okay it's just clarity night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith in all together. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Take and eat and drink. fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength. 
for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. funny is right before that last thought I was about to say can you believe I got through all of these without messing up and literally you started reading the next one without me so if you could stand with me really quick I want to do something this is not anything I planned but I feel like this should maybe be like kudzu today and this is goofy but I'm just going to highlight some people that I believe God wants to encourage I'm going to start right here with Myra thank you for worshiping and leading today thank you for being willing I want to highlight Jay, who is right here, uh, confusingly trying to not look at me. I appreciate you and who you are, and I appreciate your friendship, and I feel like I grow when I talk with you. Andrew in the back, you, you welcoming people every week and hugging people and walking around. I'm so thankful for you. I can't even... For Eric swinging by this week and asking to just hang out and, and walking around space went downstairs awkwardly with me. We're really awkward together, but I enjoy it. Um, it's great. Jessica Christ, once again, thank you for leading groups. Alex, Nancy. Alex, thanks for meeting with me this week and sharing your heart. We've got so many good people here, Jasmine. I'm, I love your infectious spirit. You infect people with that, and it's so good to see. Drew, thank you for trying to be funny. Drew, thank you for having the kind of relationship that we can joke like that and, and be and be strong. All of you, I think so much about, like I could, each of you, this is what the body is good at. This is what the body should be good at. Before you leave today, find a human in this room and say something real and true about who they are. Remind them, maybe they don't remember. Maybe they need to hear it right now. Amen. We're about to just lay into the doxology. I mean, like, going in it. So I want to hear scream singing, birthday style, none of this pretty stuff. I'm going to scream, so I'm going to step away from this. You ready?
favorite part, come on. Oh, and I. So if you today need to be encouraged because you're in an intense battle that doesn't seem to make sense even, could we pray for you? And if so, could you just come up here and let us pray for you? And if you're a praying person, could you circle around them and pray? So I'm just going to let that happen. And that can happen right now in this moment that I'm saying words from here. Let us be brothers and sisters with you today. Just to intercede for you, you know? Like. So as they come up to pray over here and they start praying here, if you'd like to continue to come up, maybe come over here so we can know that you're here for that. Are you here for to pray for him? Cool. Awesome. Alright. So let's just intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters. So Jesus. We lift these amazing people up. We thank you for creating them, even in your image. And we ask you to quicken their hearts to receive the fullness of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. We, in Jesus' name, ask that you would destroy shame right now. So any shame that's surfacing right now, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would destroy it. Just not even let it be a second not to get a foothold at all in their minds or hearts and replace that shame with belovedness. You are the beloved. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. Just intercede for the next few moments. If you'd like to come, circle them and pray. If you'd like to come speak a word of truth to them, feel free to do that right now.
ask that you continue to create a space for people to pray and receive prayer in here. Before you leave, find somebody and really actually encourage them. Jesus, I pray that you would be with us. I thank you that you are going before us. We thank you for all the many gifts that you give us. We're so thankful. We're humbled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.